Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything we love. As always, I'm joined by Dom. You guys, I think it's time we face our fears. <laughs> uh, Jordan? Game of the Year 2019. <laughs> it's been out for a day, man. Shit. January. And, and for the first time, uh, co-host of Raccoon City Radio, Andrew Taylor. Hey, how's it going? I have nothing quippy to say, so uh, yeah, I'll just leave it there. <laughs> Raccoon um, City Radio was quippy in and of itself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty cool name. Um, so instead of doing our normal what we've been playing this week, I figured we have some people who've played RE2, the remake. We have some people who played a bunch of Kingdom Hearts 3. So I figured we'd just throw it to uh, those conversations, kind of talk through them. Um, Dom, you played RE2. I know, Andrew Taylor, you're a huge Resident Evil fan. So yeah. take it away, guys, with your impressions, Dom. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, what was it, last year when 7 came out or the year before? Two Either years. way. Yeah. Okay, so it was two years ago. So 7 came out, and I just jumped right into that. I was really ready for that, like, the the direction they changed from uh, 6. I never actually even played 6. Um, really loved 4 and 5. Um, but other than that, that was my experience. So I, I really liked getting back into 7 and where they went with that. Um, even the first-person stuff I thought was cool. But overall, it was a great game, and so... When when two was announced, or you know, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know much about this. Um, but obviously, dude, as soon as that came out, and everyone was just kind of like, "Holy crap, guys! Resident Evil Two, it's here, and it's freaking glorious." So I had to jump on that. So me and my wife actually played through it together. Um, well, I played, and she watched. Um, mm. but she's really into the horror games too. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I, I mean, this isn't going to be the most interesting thing anyone's ever heard because I pretty much agree with what everyone else has said about this game. Um, I never played the original, like I said, back on PS1, so I don't have that kind of context, but if, even in its own right, like in, you know, the current day and age against other games, like this holds up, and then some, right, it's, uh, it's absolutely contemporary, and it's not, you know, doesn't really feel like a remake of an old game, even in, in its, um, in most of the, uh, what am I, what am I thinking, of the, of the gameplay, like the puzzles and the systems and stuff, there's a few moments of like, okay, I need the, you know, I need the spade key for the spade door. That's like, huh. <laughs> what? Oh, okay. Or like, there's a, you know, there's a weird museum trap door in this police station. Like, I, whatever. But um, a couple of weird things like that. But it doesn't. I don't think it takes away from anything at all. Cause um, this game is super, super, super good. For lack of a more creative vocabulary, um, it's really scary and not just like jump scares. Um, just the way it sets the mood and obviously you know you're you always have barely enough ammo pretty much every encounter you have with one of the zombies you're kind of scared that you're not gonna have enough ammo to kill that you know that specific encounter and then somehow they just they're just barely feeding you enough ammo um and even less so health packs like you barely even find herbs in this damn police station um i don't know why you can't go into like the evidence locker and find um Probably some of those herbs stored away. I've been waiting to tell that joke for a while. Just... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, Dom, as somebody who doesn't have Jesus. the perspective of playing the original, the biggest criticism I've seen leveraged against this game is that sometimes it feels as if the enemies are a little bullet spongy. What's your yeah. take on that? Yeah, I mean, that's true, but I don't think it's – I wouldn't criticize. I wouldn't call it a criticism myself. Um, yeah, it takes like three headshots to drop a zombie, and then they get back up later. Which the first couple times, like, I wasn't prepared for, uh, you know, naively. Um, 
and then you got to shoot him like three more times in the head. But I think I don't know. I think that adds to the game. Like it takes a couple shots, and you, it makes you have to be that much more careful with your with your ammo. But the coolest thing though about them being bullet spongy is um, if you remember back, I was a big fan of Dead Space, um, and those games did something cool where you could cut off or you know shoot off limbs. Now you kind of had to actually in that game, those games. Um, and in RE2, I I didn't even realize it until I went to shoot a zombie in the head and his um, his hand like went up and basically blocked the bullet, but I just saw his hand just get shot off, like only his hand. So it was like they're really particular with the physics and the limbs. Um, so I don't know that that just like blew my mind. It was, holy crap! I just watched like just his the palm of his hand get just blown off. Obviously he kept on coming towards me, but yeah, the bullet spongy stuff. I I think that's like a it contributes to what the game is doing. I think it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I guess it could be frustrating if you don't like those survivor elements and you don't like you know always being strung up for ammo um i guess that'd be a problem but i don't know i was into that so um the game just does so much stuff right it's just awesome and i've been craving i'm always craving you know great horror games um it seems there's not too many in this nature i mean we have like outlast and some of those style games got popular for a little while but to me that's not quite the same um you know i've been i had been missing dead space for a while and that re7 was great and this this game felt a lot like RE7. That was my perspective. Um, a lot of people like it even better, but um, I think it felt similar to that game and what it was trying to do. But I, I, I loved it. So. You didn't play either of the Evil Within games, right? No, and I actually own both of them, but I haven't gotten. To- <laughs> <laughs> I just said that how much I'm horror. craving horror games, and then yeah, I have to admit that those are like in my Steam library or something. I haven't gotten to them yet. Because those are from the director, who's like the lifeblood of Resident Evil. So it's like. Yeah, I, I know. I need to do that. That's that's one of those spots where I'm like, I don't know why I haven't played that shit yet because it's right up my alley. So obviously, Dom's perspective is from somebody who doesn't have a large, like a huge attachment to the series. How did the game hold up for you, Andrew? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny that you introduced me as like this massive Resident Evil fan, but I'm like a newly uh, that's big fine. Resident Evil fan. Oh, <laughs> just because like I have this weird history with the series where I hate horror because i had two older brothers growing up and they would always scare the shit out of me um like <laughs> we'd watch like oh, no. lawnmower man and then like my brother made me watch child play or child's play i'm like scared out of this fucking doll uh but so like i've always just been like someone who's really scared of horror in general but um there's just something about resident evil that has like this huge um kind of draw to it and when they when they announced Resident Evil 2, I think it was E3 of this last year. Well, they, they technically announced that, hey, we're making we're remaking we Resident Evil 2. Yeah. And this is like four years ago or something like that. Yeah, we can do it. I remember that. Um, And uh, they showed the trailer this last E3, and I was like, holy shit, Leon's back. Well, technically, you know, whatever. It's remake or whatever. Um, But I was like, okay, cool. Uh, so I like tried to get back into Resident Evil because I bought seven, I couldn't play it. I played like an hour of it. I was oh, scared wow. shitless. <laughs> um, seven is scarier, I think, yeah. than this game. Yeah, perspective um, maybe first to third. I think yeah, that's I think honestly it. what it is. Is like the first to third perspective. Um, I grew up with a lot. I of... I wish things scared me. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I, I wish I could still get scared by things. Yeah. It's happening yeah, when you're I mean, dead inside. It keeps you alive. Um, <laughs> that's what I say. So. Um, but I grew up with like Gears of War, obviously, and I'm used to that whole like third person perspective. And 
Um, yeah, so this game has kind of pushed me to go back and play other horror games. You know, I have Evil Within 2. I don't have the first one. Um, I bought that this last Halloween, and I played through, like, the first half of it. And it was scary, but I wasn't, like, terrified of the game. Yeah. Um, I heard, like, the second half is way, like, crazier and, like, scarier and stuff like that, but I still haven't gotten to that part. Um, and I know that the director of that game is, like you said, the lifeblood of Resident Evil. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like like I said, I have a really weird history with, like, horror games in general. Uh, but there's just something about Resident Evil 2 specifically that has, like, this massive draw to it. Um, like, it controls, like, incredibly well. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, the, the sound design, as someone who went to school for sound, it, the sound design is really fucking good. Um, the lighting is really good. Uh, the game runs well. I mean, there are some technical glitches, but, like, I'm not one of those people that really kind of pays attention to that kind of stuff unless it's, like, really noticeable and say like frames are just dropping and it's just shitty but uh there's a couple things and i mean overall like the tone is set right away like in the first like five minutes of the game you're like okay this is like intense uh it's gonna be scary um i haven't beaten the game yet so like i'm i'm doing me and alex are kind of playing it as like a book club thing cool. we're like we're, we're playing like the first section and then the next section i think is like the sewers or whatever and then whatever the last section is. We're both playing as Leon for our first play playthrough. Um, so I'm kind of like just eating at this game very slowly versus like other people have already beaten this game and are doing like speed runs already in like three hours or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I really love the game. Like, I, I there wasn't a lot of games coming out for... And I only have a PlayStation and a Switch. Um, I don't really have any attachment to xbox anymore after the 360 um not to say that xbox isn't a good system or anything like that but i just there was nothing in ps4's like atmosphere this year where i was like yeah i really really want to play that um but like when resident evil 2 was announced that it was gonna be coming out at the beginning of the year i thought that was like a perfect way to start 2019 um was with that it was with this game so i mean the switch has a lot of stuff coming out this year too um but yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> I haven't played Kingdom Hearts three, and I probably won't play it, uh, just because. And there's nothing wrong with that series at all, but it's just a lot to digest. I heard <laughs> when it comes to like story. Uh, it I'm has sure baggage. You, yeah, so I'm pretty sure I'd have to play the first two games to kind of understand what's happening. Um, but yeah, I mean, probably more than that. <laughs> to understand it keyword yeah. understand it yeah you have to play yeah, more, than, more that. than two watch yeah watch the lore videos or something but um but yeah you know it's it's a perfect way to start 2019 and i am facing my fears <laughs> with this game and it is still spooky and there's a lot of cool things a lot of cool aspects of the game there there's a lot of attention to detail which is really nice um like the other day someone posted a gif um like when Leon loads his gun, he takes his flashlight and he puts it like on his shoulder and he holds the flashlight with his head on his shoulder and he reloads the gun. And then when he's done, he puts it back. Um, so yeah, like I didn't even notice that until I saw that gif. I was like, I, I didn't think of that. So um, just like really little things like that, I think is really cool and kind of a nice touch for the game. But yeah, I love the game. I think it's great. I'll it's give superb. Pr 
I'll give props to the franchise because their last two reveals for their games have been awesome. The RE7 reveal was crazy. I remember when they finally unveiled the logo at the end. People lost their mind. Especially like Easy Allies. They went nuts. And then with this one, I guess if you're familiar with the series, you could have had a hint towards it. But it opens with a really close-up on the rat like scuffling through all of the boxes. Yeah. And you start hearing voices. And you see, like the I think it was like a PlayStation 1 controller, I think, in the mm-hmm. trailer. You're yeah. like, is this Resident Evil? Is it? And people yeah. are leaning in, wondering, 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 and then there's the reveal of the cop, and then Leon comes in, right? I think and yeah. kills the cop, as you like do at the beginning of the game. Yeah. Really cool reveals. It's really, yeah, it's really cool. Um, there's just, there's definitely like an attention to detail, and like, obviously, it's showing like fans want this and love this because it's already sold three million copies. I know that we're gonna get into that a little bit later on, but yeah, I mean, I'd say that's pretty good for the first week. <laughs> well, I think. Yeah. The fact that it's they like brought pacing right seven, I think, by quite a bit. So that yeah. makes me really wonder what they're going to do next, like what direction they might go. Well, yeah. the crazy thing too is I think bringing those old games into a modern age and changing things how they fit today's like modern gaming standards in terms of mechanics and systems is really smart. Um, my uh, relationship with the franchise, real quick, Andrew, is that I had never played them growing up. I went back and tried Resident Evil One, really disliked it. Um, the 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 forced camera angles, everything was horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I when the remake had come out, uh, tried that, still didn't like it. So I had this relationship with Resident Evil. I'm like, I understand people have a nostalgia for this, but I just can't get into it. Like in my yeah. opinion, those games don't hold up. Um, and I understand why people love them so much, but a lot of like the hokiness and, in my opinion, poor game design doesn't hold up in today's um, current industry. But, yeah. uh. Resident Evil 7 came out. I played it, loved that game so much. Um, so, so much. So it kind of made me fall in love with the franchise that I didn't have any attachment to. And then they announced RE2 Remake, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm really interested in it. The demo came out. I played it. I didn't love it a whole lot um, just because mm-hmm. I don't have that attachment. But it did interest me enough uh, that it is a game I'm going to get to at some point this year, hopefully yeah. around Halloween. Um, it is a game I want to play. It's just it's not something I'm thirsting for. And the funny thing is we're gonna about to hop into our Kingdom Hearts 3 conversation. So Jordan is a huge Kingdom Hearts guy. Like, you know, the typical like Kingdom Hearts guy, right? <laughs> Loves the lore, super into whoa, it. Whoa, I, I don't know if I want to be labeled typical Kingdom Hearts guy. <laughs> well, like the, the typical, like, guys. sorry, like a, a diehard Kingdom Hearts guy. Sure, sure. Uh, Dom is probably in between me and Jordan in terms of he, he replayed through all of the games. He loves Kingdom Hearts. I don't know if necessarily to the level Jordan does. Me, I've only played one and two. I watched videos to get caught up on all of the stuff that happened in all of the in-between games. And I'm not, like, super involved in the story, really. I just like playing yeah. in the Disney worlds for the most part. Um, so we have kind of three different perspectives on that. So when it came to this game releasing right next to RE2 Remake, I actually had a tough time deciding. I played the demo. It didn't really hit for me too much. And then the reviews came out for both of them. Which was tough because I'll, both of them are reviewing extremely well. So I was just like, I'm going to get Kingdom Hearts 3. Um, you know, I figured I'd have m- the more enjoyment with that in the meantime. I can get to RE2 later for... Like, playing that game at Halloween is probably going to be dope. So. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's a good idea is to save... You know, especially if it's something that didn't grab you right away. Yeah. Um, I think saving it for Halloween, it'll probably be on sale. Yeah. But, may, you know, maybe like 40 bucks at that time, so... Or maybe even less than that. So, yeah, I think that's a good idea, especially with so much other things that are coming out soon. Um, yeah. Um, so we're getting to Kingdom Hearts 3 right now. Uh, 
we're not going to do any spoilers, so don't worry about tuning out or anything. We're not going to spoil any worlds or anything like that. Um, pretty much top-level reactions to the game. I'll go first. Um, it's exactly what I expected it to be for better and for worse. Um, obviously, it's reviewing very well. I anticipated that a lot of the systems were going to feel like they did in Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, a lot of the combat was going to come naturally to me for somebody who hasn't played since Kingdom Hearts 2. Um... For reference, Andrew, I'm a more of an Xbox guy, so I didn't have the, I didn't buy the collection because I was kind of boycotting. I own all three <laughs> systems that I was boycotting because I wanted them to port it to Xbox. Because oh, okay. it really, it really didn't make sense for me to, for them to release Kingdom Hearts three on the Xbox, but not the collection. Like, how are you not going to let, let people get caught up? Really dumb. Anyways, mm-hmm. that's besides the point. With Kingdom Hearts three, I want to get the negatives out of the way because there's not too many for me, but. Um, Coming off of the heels of playing God of War and Spider-Man and those having phenomenal voice acting performances, <laughs> that is probably the roughest thing in this game for me is that a lot of the main characters, so like Sora and uh, Kyrie and Lee and some of the mainstays, I think their voice acting is fine. It's some of the other ancillary characters where it's like very hit or miss. Um, even with some of the characters in the worlds, um... I, I don't want to spoil it, but the second world you go to, Jordan, some of those main characters, their voice matches, because they didn't get the actual actors right, some of their voice matches, 100% on. Some of them are really distracting for me, personally. Um, so, like, the voice well, I acting... Think, I mean, it's really not a spoiler to say that you're talking about Toy World, like... I guess. I just don't... That was in a lot of the trailers, right? I'm assuming. Yeah, that's very... There's, like, posters. That's very known. Yeah. yeah, so Buzz Lightyear's voice actor matches... Um, what's his name? Name is escaping Tim me. Allen. Tim Allen, perfectly, in my opinion. Sounds exactly like him. I'd say pretty well, yeah. The other yeah. guy doing Woody is not is as good not great. Uh, and I think, I think everybody else is actually their original voice actor. Yeah, yeah. Ham and Rex like, are... Well, no, not Ham, because he and passed Rex. away... Who was? Who did you say? Uh, the guy who voices Ham was an older comedian that was like in his eighties. I forgot his name. Very popular comedian. He passed away. Oh wow! So um, he was the guy that's in a bunch of the Pixar movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, can't remember his name. Sorry. I totally feel you. Um, I won't uh, totally steal your spotlight here, but I'll just say, playing the zero point two fragmentary passage aqua level before this. Um, the kind of lead-in prelude. Uh, Tara's voice actor was really rough in Birth by Sleep, and that got a lot of uh, negative attention, and I agree. It was very monotonous, and it was like he was half asleep the whole time. Um, then in this little prelude, I was like, oh, wow, you can tell that he's he's heard the, the feedback and he's trying to do better. Um, and then... I was watching some of the cutscenes and some of the recaps leading up to try to wrap my mind that's supposed to already know what's going on back around this stuff. And um, Riku's voice actor, it seems like he, over the course of the series, I thought he was great. But then in this game, it's weird. It's almost jarring how so far I'm uh, one world uh, after where you are. And it does kind of seem like Riku, for me, is phoning it in. Yeah, um, the organization members are fine to me, and the you know the Disney characters and all that. But uh, Riku's been the only one where I was like, "Wow, that's weird that that it's turned around that Tara is actually like 
giving it some oomph, and Riku's voice act voice actor now sounds monotonous. Yeah. So the intro to the game takes place on Olympus, the Hercules world, so that's not really a spoiler. Hercules's voice and Woody's voice have been the ones that have really pulled me out. Um, really? Yeah. Hercules? Yeah. I think yeah. he sounded good. I... I that's Not the for thing, me. though. These <laughs> these voice mas- matches, instead of just kind of casting someone who could fit the role and has a general, you know, is in the same realm of the original voice actor, I think that might be a better idea because when you're doing these matches, it's really hit or miss kind of based on the individual audience member or player that's going to say, um, yeah, I definitely felt like they sounded like the original person or it was distracting because they did yeah, so yeah, the the voice acting and stuff is kind of off for me. Um, that being said, there's not a whole lot of a lot of stuff is after that is like nitpicky for me personally. So I don't kind of want to don't get into that. It's more of a personal thing. But the negatives are like far and few between. the The things that I really enjoy about this game, the combat's really fun. It's what I remember from Kingdom Hearts two for the most part. Um, I love the. I don't know if these are new additions, Jordan. You're gonna have to tell me. Uh, I don't know if they added this in any of like the spin-off games, but the the amusement park rides that you call up as special moves, special team up moves. Oh, that's brand new for sure. Yeah, those are amazing. Those are, like some of my yep. favorite parts of the combat. Um, yeah. Wonky camera sometimes, but like what you're looking at with them being in like the teacups or in the ship and stuff, it's really amazing. Um, as somebody who's like a huge fan of Disney, that's something that's always pulled me into Kingdom Hearts. I'm caught up on the story. I understand what's going on. It's very convoluted, but I'm. Like, doing the research I did, I'm not confused as to what's going on. I'm, like, very comfortable in knowing what's going on, which is really cool. But the Disney stuff is the hook for me, right? The story's secondary, and I'm just loving everything I'm going through. Um, Twilight Town, uh, the characters you run into there, uh, a lot of the systems, the bistro. Um, With Little Chef. Yeah. There's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um I know you guys probably had hype through the roof for this game more than I did. I'm enjoying it. Mm. At the end of the year, I don't know where it's going to fall in terms of game of the year for me. I doubt there's going to be another game I play this year that I'll have more fun in and enjoy. But I don't know if it'll be my the best game I played all year. You know what I mean? I don't think it's a bad yeah. thing necessarily, but I'm really enjoying my time with it. Uh, what about you guys? What are your impressions? Yeah, I'll be quick because I'm only like an hour in. Okay. <clears throat> I haven't had oh, wow. enough time yet. And it's been killing me, by the way. I'm like... Like, right now, I'm really tempted to be like, screw you guys, and just kind of go and hop on. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, <laughs> um, So I'm still in, like, the Olympus world. And you um, <clears throat> the voice acting, I, I I mean, I'm sure I'll get to more levels and be like, ooh, yeah, that's not a good match. But to me, what's what kind of stands out more than that is the dialogue, like the actual yeah. writing and the war. You know, the sentences are goofy as hell. Um, like, some of those first conversations between Sora, Donald, and Goofy, like, when they're on the ship and, like, trying to figure out how to get to Olympus, and it's like, Oh, I forgot to be my, my let my heart be my guiding key, and then all of a sudden he knows where the fuck to go. It's like really, I mean, and that's what this series has been and is, and like as bad as some of that is, I really freaking love it. If well, the worst part is some of that can be cleaned like, up with like better editing, in my opinion. Like if you just cut the scene sooner instead of waiting yeah, for no reason. A lot of cut scenes, a lot of cut scenes. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say next is, um, and and I'm really early on, but so far it's like, oh yeah, you see you like have one fight and then there's another cutscene. you walk into the next area another stop cut and scene. go stop and go yeah it, and it, and it's all not that you know these cutscenes are so far pretty relevant and important things are going on um not to get into specifics but it just 
the flow of it so far. I'm like, I just want to play. I want to get to that awesome combat some more because it feels sp- phenomenal, like you said, Jared. Speaking of dialogue, did you see how they couldn't probably find a voice match for Danny DeVito so Phil doesn't talk at all? Yeah, dude. I swear <laughs> to God I noticed that when it was like one scene where I was like, huh, what? And he just didn't talk and I was like, they couldn't find I- it. And they've had, <laughs> they've had him in other games. See, here's the thing yeah. with your issue, Jared. Um, especially with like the side games, you know, they do, they have, it's kind of part of the series that you kind of just have to get along with. Yeah. We didn't take all of the Disney vault and pick out the massive amount of famous actors and voice actors and bring them all back and pay them, pay them millions for this, for the DS game. Yeah. (laughs) Um, you kind of throughout the whole series, I've kind of just had to reconcile with that and get over it. And, um, you know, it can be more drawing for some than others. I've certainly noticed it. I'm not going to say it's <clears throat> not there at all, but, um, yeah. Hey, we got James Woods, though. Yeah, that's another thing is you'll have some that will come up. And James Woods, every time Hades has been in the series, he's been there. And um, <laughs> that fucking guy, some of them yeah. that come back for their roles and just nail it. And Hades is one of them. He's so good as Hades. It's like one of my favorite yeah, Disney great. characters, man. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. Sorry, Dom. Go ahead. We cut you off there. No, I mean that was really it. I haven't played enough to say much more, and I, it's just tiny little things that I that just are part of the series. Ultimately, I mean, when you're this deep into it, that stuff you kind of learn to love, and that's like that's what makes it Kingdom Hearts what it is. A lot of that, um, obviously, I mean, critique it, of course, but I mean, I'm into it. Like I'm, uh, I'm loving the, you know, I want to let my heart be my guiding key, you guys. So. Real quick before <laughs> we get to Jordan, because I know he has a lot to say. Um, Andrew, if I were to tell you to guess what the loading screens were for this game, what would you think they oh, were? Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> um, I'm going to say, like, Disney rides? Maybe? No. It's a fourth a wall. Guess. That it's w- a good that guess. That would make sense. That would make sense. It's a f- weird fourth wall breaking social media post from the characters. They're supposed to look like Instagram posts. Yeah. They're specifically oh. photo based with hashtags. But they're, like, breaking the fourth wall, so they're commenting on something that they were a part of, you know what I mean, yeah. that is part of the story. It's it's very weird. It's, it's totally Kingdom to be Hearts. It's like, super fan service Oh, it just comes off as, like, what in the fuck is this? They, they don't do hashtags. They do, like, the, the, the Kingdom Hearts symbol with the hashtag in it, and then the What's hashtag. It's, ooh. That's I saw bad. those, and I was like, yeah. well, One of the new devices in the game is a gummy phone that you get, and it allows you to, like, take pictures in the game. There's a lot of, like... Gameplay mechanics Which is thrown like into a there. Fucking thick ass Fisher Price thing, it's like <laughs> yeah. the size of a Bible. Uh, looks like a OG BlackBerry. The, the I just wanted to ask because no one would ever guess that's what the loading screens were. They're so weird. Yeah, um, that, yeah. that is really really weird. It is weird. It's also, totally Square Enix style. Also, Dom, you remember that I messaged you about Toy World? Let's just get a random guess. Why do you think I said message me when you get to Toy World? Uh, at this point, probably Woody's voice actor. I don't know otherwise. Are you talking about no, the opening I, cinematic, I Jordan? Yeah. That's not a spoiler, just saying opening cinematic. Very, very uh, Square Enix, yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's... I don't even want to say anything, but, like... <laughs> I'll get there. Yeah. Just uh, let me experience it myself. <laughs> uh, Jordan, what were you going to... Give us your impressions. I know you've been waiting a long time okay. for this game. Okay. Yeah, I've waited very long. I've been a fan of Kingdom Hearts... Uh, you know, pretty much from the start, and uh, back on the PS2 days, uh, have played. I guess I haven't ever touched Recoded, 
which is a mobile port to DS that then they just ripped the cutscenes for in the latest collection. So I've, that's the only game I haven't ever touched. Uh, but I played all the games besides that, and I know the story of Recoded. Not that it fucking matters. And uh, that's <laughs> one of the very that's one of the very few. Even though they bring it up, it's still one of the very few side games that actually does not matter at all. But, um, yeah, there is a lot of baggage with this series, and that's what I'll say, uh, kind of like with the, um, your biggest issue, Dom, is kind of like the cheesiness of it and how far it goes off of that cliff. It's like I mean, it's like Bethesda's bugs to some extent. You, you kind of love it, even though it's not good. Well, <laughs> I don't know. it's not even that. <laughs> what I think it is for me is that this game, Kingdom Hearts 3, is the sequel, first of all, to Kingdom Hearts 2, the mainline sequel to Kingdom Hearts 2. Yes, it's also a sequel to like Kingdom Hearts 3D, uh, the most recent game in the series besides the mobile game. But um, it is—it's not super fan servicey. I mean, there's goofy nods here and there with like the Instagram loading screens or whatever. But really, what it is is I think it's uh, not even like a love letter. It's just what. They, they did their absolute best to give the fans what they've been pining for and asking for and waiting for all these years and giving them, like I said, the true follow-up, the proper follow-up to Kingdom Hearts 2, which uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 obviously deserves. It deserved it a long time ago. Um, funny enough, I was remembering a friend of mine saying, because uh, he didn't have a PS3 at the time uh, during that generation, that he was a big Kingdom Hearts fan back from PS2, and he was like, Oh, dude, whenever Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, <laughs> oh, I'm just going to come over. I'm going to come over and just play your PS3 bit by bit and beat the game on your PS3. And I'm like, wow, that was a long time ago. He must have been excited for Final Fantasy 15 and Last Guardian as well. <laughs> playing no, those on I, PS3. That dude, I remember that dude, Jared, showing me on YouTube, like, bro, look at Final Fantasy 13 versus 13. Look how cool oh, this trailer God. is from Final Fantasy versus Thirteen. Poor yeah. guy. So, yeah. But, um, <laughs> anyways, um, it has been a long time coming. There have has been a lot of side games. The side games are important because you know this big giant convoluted story. It's all important. Um, for me, I like the story because I like the fact that they originally had Final Fantasy and Disney characters and then what's grown out of the series is this special story um, so I appreciate that they are willing to like actually give us the answers that we're looking for um, I had to do a lot of research I had to go back and watch a lot of stuff uh, to get my like I said my mind wrapped around it um, so it sucks that that's the case uh, but it is the case. It is what it is. There's not really any changing that. And for that to be the case, I think they did a great job of uh, delivering, like I said, on that, that follow-up promise. So, um, yeah, the gameplay, I, I think the my biggest complaint is the fact that, you know, Dom, which games did you play going back through the series? Uh, uh, one and two, Chain of Memories, Birth by Sleep. And I think that was it. Okay. Side quick question: Did you like the Chain of Memories card system? Uh, I mean, at the time, I had been—I I don't remember how old I was. It was when it came out. I got it like on release. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, I guess yeah, Chain I of Memories is it. just cutscenes. Chain of Memories is just cutscenes on the latest collection. Anyways. Oh, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. So yeah, let's talk about between Birth by Sleep one and two. I guess you didn't play three D. 
the HD version. Yeah, because you said you didn't have that uh, other collection with yeah. uh, fragmentary passage on it. Right, right. Um, so, okay, so yeah, those are the three best games in the series other than this one, and I would say um, I think you can agree with this. Those games are not pushovers. They're not, even though they've got Disney and stuff, they're not like kiddie games that you can just walk in and then, like, there are big bosses. Kingdom Hearts is known for, honestly, like, legendary bosses, not just in their design, but in the actual battles themselves. The combat in these games has never been just um, a walk in the park, I would say. And unfortunately, <clears throat> Kingdom Hearts 3 is way too fucking easy. And that's my biggest complaint, is that it is it's playing on normal, uh, which I didn't... Uh, complete any of the games when I went back through on the collection, uh, but I played a little bit of both One and Birth by Sleep on my second playthrough, and uh, I think, yeah, like I said, those games are much better balanced as far as difficulty goes. This game is ridiculous. I was at one point like, I wonder what the death screen looks like, and I'm ten hours into this game, <laughs> and I still have not died yet. And I die, you know, multiple times in a regular Kingdom Hearts game just because, you know, it's a decently difficult game, nothing too big, but uh, you're certainly going to meet some challenges along the way, along the adventure. And uh, I've seen some people echo this sentiment now that I've been willing to kind of look at what other people are saying, uh, now that I've got into it a little bit. But, I mean, it is ridiculously easy, and it's all, honestly beginning to mar... Uh, my playthrough because I'm wishing that I had played it on proud mode which I don't like playing the other games on proud mode because they they get a little ridiculous but uh, this one it's it's gotten out of hand to where I'm like I should I should have died at least once I've faced a bunch of bosses and um, I think the weird thing about this is there's just so many fucking power ups and they do a pretty good job of explaining it to you of guiding you through the tutorials and building them up along the way. A lot of menus. <laughs> but there are a lot of menus, a lot of tutorials to read, but the combat is very dynamic. You have a lot of choices, but I think they almost put too many tools in your belt and give you too many big guns because you can really just go to town on people if you're chaining together these power-ups because you have power-ups between you and Donald, you and Goofy, all three of you. You have power-ups between the characters of the world you're in. You have power-ups of just Sora, and there's like each individual Keyblade has a different power-up. Um, and then you have magic power-ups outside of just your regular magic attacks. It's a so lot. So many different things. <laughs> Basically what will happen is your triangle button will, will key up these different power-ups that you have. And there's times where I have three that are ready to go, and it just has yeah. a timer. Like, you have 30 seconds to use this, you have 15 seconds to use this, and so you just go through them all. And you just obliterate your your foes because they have, like I said, I think they've just given you too many overpowered tools. So that's my biggest complaint with the game. Um, um, it doesn't seem like it's changing, like I said, 10 hours in. Yeah. Before we hop into the news, I have a lore question. <laughs> uh, so you're going to have to, it's a two-part question, Jordan. Um, yeah. Dom, too, you might know. So I'm pretty caught up on everything. I know everything that's going on for the most part. My one thing that I'm lost on, and I don't know if we're supposed to be lost on it, the two people playing chess at the beginning, are we supposed to know who they are? Yes. Yeah. That's Xehanort and Ericus. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I figured... Antagonist. Yeah, I know who Xehanort is. I figured the guy with the white hair was a young Xehanort. I just didn't know who the other one was supposed to be. 
Ericus. It's his uh, his role. You can tell in Birth by Sleep, he's voiced by uh, Mark Hamill, and he is the master of uh, Ventus, Aqua, and Terra. And, younger version uh, of him. Characters. Yeah, it's younger Xehanort, younger Ericus before. Because when he's like older, him. he has the he has the Fu Manchu, right? When he's older. Right. Yeah. yeah got you. So these, yeah, that. Thank this you. is how they start the game, and this is where you get into like. Uh, Kingdom Hearts three is not concerned if you don't know the lore. Kingdom Hearts three is not concerned if you haven't played the other games or if you like the combat or not. It's like, oh, you're it's it's speaking to me and and the YouTubers that I've been watching over the years about Kingdom Hearts. It's speaking to the people that are the diehard fans, and if you're unable to, uh, you know recall who Master Ericus is. It's like, too fucking bad, dude. And that sucks for a lot of people, but I think so, it ends up being for the best because um, the people that are going to end up championing this game are the ones that are diehard and would know the deep shit. So in the actual intro cinematic with um, with the Hirakari song or whatever, um, it has that same scene of, um, yeah, I know, I can't call her name. <laughs> whatever just face my fears that's harry carry yeah yeah it's it's a crazy good song and, and Utada she's hit some kind of chart that uh, she hadn't before but anyway um in it's that cinematic song, by the way skrillex does the and, beat by the way yeah and it's it's uh, it's a great song i had it on it's spotify on repeat dope, today dude. but yeah, it's pretty fucking cool <laughs> um but during that cinematic, they actually show that same scene with them playing chess. And I call that out immediately, mm-hmm. like, oh, that's so cool. That's That must be a young uh, Xehanort or whatever. But then during that yeah. cinematic, it also, like, shows his face. And then he looks up, and it flashes into, like, an older version of Xehanort really quick right. to kind of indicate, like, oh, by the way, that's who this and motherfucker I think is. That they... Look out. I knew it was Xehanort. I just didn't know who yeah. that was a young version of that was sitting across from him. other guy. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys watch the recaps that are built into the game? No. Yes. I was actually pretty impressed. It's a five-part cool. recap, but I think it's totaling less than 20 minutes with all five parts. And I had already been watching recaps on YouTube, but this is built into the game. Memory Archive is what it's called. And um, it does a pretty good job of keying you in on a lot of stuff that you're going to need to know. Because, dude, once Shion and fucking Vanitas get there, and they're just like people that are chunks of other people's hearts taken <laughs> yeah. off and like turned into another being like it, it's going to get ridiculous and i know by the end of it it's going to be out of whack but i'm hoping that they can kind of and this is supposed to be the end of the xehanort saga because um you know he hops it he has like different vessels currently he's like looking like a young xehanort because he's taken over tara's body um and so it's Zemnis is his nobody Ansem is his heartless. <laughs> yeah. Ansem is actually Ansem the imposter. Ansem the wise is the real Ansem. Okay, so I'm not even gonna. But Ansem the wise is actually in disguise as this other guy. <laughs> and after actually, all that, yeah. Is. yeah. <laughs> after all that, Xehanort like goes back in time and like grabs 13 more versions of himself or something to replace Organ. It's like, well, yeah, he's well, basically <laughs> like built up organization, a second version of Organization 13 to like. Be, yeah. the uh, real organization he, 13 his 13 so vessels yeah that could actually be the 13 pieces of darkness that can go up against the, the seven, seven pieces of light, light. <laughs> yeah. yeah to rebuild the keyblade which is the <laughs> ultimate weapon the- which will then allow him to harness the power of kingdom hearts which is the power of all hearts the hearts of all worlds combined the crazy thing is that like parts of kingdom hearts are really cool 
Like the like when you die, you become two different things, and like you know, there's a lot of pieces of yeah, it that like are really when cool. When you turn into but a then, heartless, you you have a nobody if your heart is strong enough. That's a cool thing. But then know? they like no. Then we're gonna add time travel, and then we're gonna add this, and then <laughs> we're gonna have to redcon Mickey not having a shirt on when he's in the darkness, and then like <laughs> all of this stuff of like on top layers on top of layers. All right, that's that's where you lost me, Mickey being shirtless. He, I do <laughs> he is. Love he's shirtless. Well, that's like classic Mickey. He's just talking about like Mickey in shorts, uh, yeah. <laughs> in his red shorts. But uh, I do, out. I do enjoy the Disney stuff. It's like, oh, cool, we have King Mickey, and he's a Keyblade Master, and sometimes he's wearing organization robes. And it's just also another thing is like people that are in the organization, and then there's like people that are just wearing organization robes because Riku wants to put I, it on. Like, why not? I, it's just crazy. Shit. I actually have a question for you after you record about one of the characters in the stories because, like, I have a feeling that something's going to happen, but I want you to tell me if it's, like, bullshit doesn't make sense. But we'll get into that yeah, I'll say off of the there, podcast. There are no holds barred. Like I said, Shion's coming back. Vanitas is going to be in there. Like, the most random... They're not random, but like the most deep cut shit is coming back, and I'm just uh, ready for Aqua, dude. One of the main characters is named oh. Yen Sid, which is a Disney backwards. Um, yeah, but that's before. <laughs> oh, well, I guess they might have. You didn't know that, Dom? Works, but he was no <laughs> Master Yen Sid. You didn't realize that was Disney. I never knew that. Oh my god! Wow. Um, He's like Yen Sid. This is a pretty <laughs> cool name, dude. I like your hat with his creepy eyes that don't blink. Um, yeah, he's really poorly animated. There's most of the animation is gorgeous. This is a gorgeous game. I will say, Dom on PS4 yeah. Pro, it's good. No HDR, unfortunately. There's two different modes though. There's uh, default or standard, and then there's stable mode. But it doesn't make any sense. It really doesn't. I would say stay on standard or default. That is 60 frames per second at like 1440p. And then if you change it to the stable mode, which this doesn't make any sense, it's a lower frame rate, but it's at uh, 4K. It's full 2160. Sounds backwards. um, Yeah, it doesn't make any sense why stable mode would be the lower frame rate. It's saying it's stable 4K graphics is what Resolution, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any fucking sense. But Mm. I would leave it on the default mode for PS4 Pro because it's very confusing, but that is the higher frame rate, and you will notice a difference. Uh, but it is gorgeous game. Most of the the animations are are flawless. But yeah, like there's some big eyed characters like Yen Sid, where you know most of the the like lip syncing is good. But then yeah, some characters fall to the wayside, and Yen Sid is certainly one of them. For Andrew uh, Andrew's sanity's sake, let's hop into the news now. <laughs> I think he's heard about <laughs> no. enough about Zaynor and oh, yeah. It's um, all interesting. It's just it's just very it's, very deep. Well, the thing that sucks, it is very convoluted. I don't think even diehard Kingdom Hearts fans won't. I it's if they deny that it's convoluted, I don't think they're real realizing the story they're paying attention to. Oh, uh, there's yeah. so many moments where I'm like, I'm understanding what they're referencing, what's going on in the scene, what they're talking about, and I'm still like, you guys are out of your fucking mind. <laughs> yeah. this is so weird how you're like, and this guy, you remember when that guy got to be a heartless and he went to the dark world and then he came back? It's like, shut the fuck up. It's sometimes. like, they try to one up themselves all the time. It's like, because like I said, there's yeah. different pieces that are really good. It just mashed up into a ball. <clears throat> Anyways, yeah. quickie Real news. Quick, Jared, one, one tiny little <laughs> bit about, it's, well, it's the, about the question that you asked. Okay. In the, the chess scene. Yeah. You know where he Xehanort looks up and sees the keyblade on the wall, the one that has the eyeball in it? 
Yeah, that's one that can see into the future. Right. So that, just real quick, is from the Master of Masters, who is from way back the... The, um, the OG, yeah. The the Book of Prophecies. He's, he's from the... Uh, before the Keyblade War with the uh, Foretellers. The Foretellers, that's what I was trying to remember. <laughs> and so, yeah, basically he ripped his eyeball out shoved it in his keyblade and gave it to his apprentice and said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, as you go forward through time, I'll be able to watch and look at the future and know the future. That's why he can write the prophecies, because his eyeball is traveling through time into the future. And because why wouldn't he? Well, yeah. <laughs> the cool thing is, whether you like Kingdom Hearts or not, it introduced one of the coolest weapons. Like, keyblades are some of the coolest weapons keyblades ever are awesome. made. Yeah. Yeah. Which, what, real quick, the thing I hate is when you go to open a chest and they don't put the key into the keyhole, you smack it on top. Which is like, why put the keyhole <laughs> yeah, there is. then? Why put yeah, the keyhole there? Definitely kind of I, weird. I don't like that you can't upgrade uh, keyblades, you can't upgrade magic like in former games. Um, it's all kind of just like you're more like leveling up your character. I just. Um, I don't know. There's some, I, there's some nitty gritty stuff that. As I get like forty or fifty hours, I'll give you more of like the the gameplay mechanics. It's just a weird animation choice because like you have a keyblade. There's a chest with a keyhole. Oh, how am I gonna open it? I'm oh, gonna yeah. walk up to it, smack it on top twice, and the chest opens. It's like why put the keyhole on it then? Anyways, well, even when they do it, they'll like sometimes in some of the games they'll jump backwards and point the keyblade at it, and then it'll like shoot a beam at the keyhole. So they, they they would never actually just be a pedestrian and stick the key in the key. <laughs> well, the light at least actually makes sense because it's a key to a key hole, right? Smack yeah, in on yeah. the top is like, what are we, barbarians? Anyways, <laughs> quickie, quickie news. Uh, we have a, a round of a bunch of quick news stories we'll get to, and then we'll get to the topic, which is revolved around uh, the Metroid Prime 4 news, which happened the day after we recorded, as it always does. And how um, it's going to be affecting so the first Kingdom Hearts in the coming weeks. So the first bit of news, um, Damon Baker, who was the former head of partner management at Nintendo, you would recognize him at the guy as the guy that was in a lot of their treehouse events. With he had the like square frame glasses and the, a bit of spiky hair. He was in charge of handling all of the third party partnerships for Nintendo. Pretty important. He was big. Uh, he was a big in terms of getting indie games onto the Switch. Um, he actually recently announced that he was leaving Nintendo, and people were wondering where he was going to end up. He recently announced that he's joining Xbox as the head of portfolio. So it's a pretty oh, big yeah. hire. Um, obviously, I think they need to have more people there at Xbox now that they're transitioning to focusing on Xbox Game Pass because that in and of itself outside of the Xbox and Microsoft Store is a huge portfolio to manage. And those are partnerships that they have to deal with in terms of when is this contract up? When is this contract uh, renewed? Um, you know, it's kind of like the Netflix thing of like you have somebody that has to handle those specific deals. Um, it's I think it's a great hire for Xbox. I don't know if we're going to see direct benefit from that. I don't know if he's I don't think he's going to change anything. I think it's just more so getting somebody in place to handle their current portfolio. And it's kind of making a separate job, right? I guarantee you this is probably somebody's job alongside a couple of other jobs. Um, and they decided to have hire somebody on that's just the head of the portfolio, period. Um, so, Because they have Chris Booty, who's in charge of their first-party studios. So this what is, is uh, Chris Booty. Okay. Yep, yep Booty. Uh, <laughs> so, um, oh, yeah, man, do you guys... What have... if his middle initial was P? Anything to say about Damon Baker? 
Anything Chris to say about Damon Baker joining? Next news story. Apparently, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't want to talk about Damon Baker. Uh, so the next news story uh, here. I do think it's. I think it's interesting. Jumping ship from Nintendo to Microsoft, obviously. I mean, not that that couldn't happen, and it probably happens all the time, like first party studios or whatever. But um, you know, the gaming industry has that uh, that kind of like poaching thing that's been. Is a, like, there's a deep history of poaching where you know they used to Japanese game publishers used to have their devs <clears throat> credit themselves with like code names and stuff so that they couldn't be poached by other studios. So um, interesting that this is still kind of uh, continuing to this day. Well, and him having experience with uh, more Japanese devs than probably a lot of people at Xbox have, you know, working for ah, Nintendo. Good point. That's actually probably going to be huge, too, being able to talk to that market and those developers that Xbox doesn't really have a foothold in. I mean, we've seen Phil Spencer visit Japan a little bit over the last couple of years and kind of build those relationships, um, especially with, like, Square Enix as of late and Capcom. Um, Andrew, you if actually... he does need help, he could always just call over at uh, Christopher P. Bottom and ask him <laughs> if he has any tips and tricks for the industry. Oh, Christopher Peabottom. Um, man, that'd be real unfortunate if your middle name was actually P, like it wasn't short for anything, and your last name was Booty. Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. Andrew, earlier you mentioned this when we were talking about Resident Evil 2 at the top of the show, um, how well it's doing in terms of sales. Uh, Capcom recently announced that it's shipped 3 million units in its yeah. first week, which, remember, this isn't sold through, but usually if that many units are shipped, they're probably going to get sold, um, you know. So, in comparison, the original RE2 lifetime sold 4.96 million. So, in its first week, it almost... It got more than half. Um, we'd assume that in the coming months, Resident Evil 7 sold very well. So, um, with a first week sales of 3 million units, or at least ship, um, we could totally see that catching up and easily passing it, I'd assume. Um, the other interesting number they released was that the one-shot demo had 4.7 million downloads, which is crazy. It's a lot of people yeah. wanting to play Resident Evil 2 before it comes out. Um, I would be interested to see the numbers in terms of what platforms those downloads were on. I'm assuming majority of them, or at least maybe not majority, but the bigger slice of the pie. Because uh, RE2 came out on PC, right? Uh, the new one? Yeah. Yeah, the new one came out on PC, yeah. Yeah, so I'm assuming it'd be what PlayStation, Xbox, and PC in terms of split. Yeah, I would assume probably makes the most sense. Obviously, PlayStation's number one. Um, speaking of PlayStation, we had another weird news story related to PlayStation this week. So uh, Nebelian, who's the guy who tweets out deals and news on Twitter, he tweeted out uh, that he got this press release from PlayStation saying we're holding a an event in February. The future of Sony, come join us at the PlayStation Theater in New York, yada, yada, yada. About five minutes after he posted that tweet, Jason Schreier replied and said, this is fake. And he showed a screenshot of the email they had received, the press release. And it was a Photoshop press release made to look like an actual PlayStation event. And the email was made to look like an actual email. It was like sie.playstation.gmail.com. Um... So a bunch of people got duped. Luckily, it didn't spread that fast. But, yeah, somebody was trying to fake. People were really excited about PlayStation 5 
and there's a split, and I want to actually, we've talked about this numerous times, Andrew, over the last couple of weeks, and I want to hear your opinion on it real quick. People are divided uh, as to why PlayStation is sitting out this year in terms of E3, right? You have people yeah. in the camp of, um, they're going to be announcing PlayStation 5 this this year, so they don't want to deal with E3. They're just going to skip E3 and then probably announce PlayStation 5 in the fall. Then there's people in the camp of, they're at the end of their life cycle for PS4. They're going to announce the PS5 next year, but this year they're in this weird position that if they do E3, they're going to be talking about ga- the same games they talked about last year. So they're skipping this event and going to be announcing PS5 early next year, and then it releases in the fall. Where do you fall on that in terms of why PlayStation skipping E3 this year? I think it's possibly, like you said, that PS5 could be coming out late next year. Um, yeah. To the point where they feel like everything that they've shown or announced so far is like, that's going to be the end of this generation cycle. And so like kind of what's the point of being at E3 um, when everything that they've shown is has already been announced. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really up to them. And like, you know, that they, you know, like they did PSX every year too. And then they didn't do that this last year either. Um, and I don't really know if that's maybe the same thing. Um, possibly could be. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't really bother me just because E3 kind of gets a little weird every year. Um, and I, I don't really enjoy it as much as I do or as, as I used to anymore. So, I mean, it's always nice to see something big announced, um, regardless of, you know, um, like how much content they're going to announce, at least if it's like a big, big announcement, there's always, uh, some excitement around that. But over the last couple of years, I kind of feel like it's died down. Um, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't bother me. I, I think it's, I think it's a good call, especially if, if that's what everyone's kind of speculating is that next year could be the year or like the very end of next year could be like the year of PlayStation five. Um, I think them sitting out is probably a smart call. So, yeah. So people are like kind of on the edge of their seats waiting for PlayStation to say something about this year. And I think this was just a joke. They're taking advantage of that. Um, yeah. So it is what it is. I actually got, if believe it or not, I trust Nabelli, and he's a good source for deals and just news in general. So he tweeted that out, and I was like, oh, this is a great news story to talk about this week on the podcast. And then five minutes later, Jason Trier replied, and everyone's like, thanks, Jason Trier. You canceled PS5. Thank you. <laughs> um, we have some Nintendo Switch news. Uh, turns out it sold 32.27 uh, million units lifetime which is already 1 million shy of the 64's lifetime sales, which is huge. Um, the crazy thing about this number is that because we knew around September that it had sold about 23 million units, uh, about 22 point something, in the three months to end the year, it sold about 10 million units in its final three months. Led in large part by Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, which sold 12 million units in less than a month, which is crazy. That is crazy. People are saying Super Smash Brothers isn't a system seller. Apparently, it is. Um, it's according to um, people who are crunching the numbers. Nintendo is trying to hit 20 million Switches sold this fiscal year. They're probably going to hit about 17. So they're not going to hit their target, but it's still a huge amount. Um, we talked about last week that the Switch had the best December for hardware since 2013. Um, which is really impressive in and of itself. There were rumors coming up recently that there's going to be a smaller model coming out this year. Who knows if that happens. 
it'd be smart with the release of the new Pokemon game to have a more a cheaper, more mobile-friendly experience. Uh, we'll see what happens there. I don't think any of us are shocked, right, that it sold 32 million units. I love the Nintendo Switch. I mean, it, that's just such a big number, dude. I mean, there's what 80 some, or is it 90 some million PS4s? 84, I think. Right. But and of 42 course in... Xbox Ones that recently they announced right. 42 million. Yeah. And PS4s and Xbox Ones have been on the market more than twice as long as the Switch, right? So, if you think about you know the pace, even though the Switch is of course like smaller numbers still, the pace that it's selling at is is kind of freaking absurd. Then also consider. Yep. They're not getting, you know, third major third-party support. There's no Call of Duty and Red Dead and GTA on Switch. I mean, we got like Skyrim and a couple ports. You're of getting older year games. old ports, right? Doom You're getting and... old ports. Yeah. You're getting Nintendo first party, which, like you just said, it you can't discount. Like Smash is a big deal, and Odyssey and Cart uh, are big deals. Those are big games, but the Indies. Those have always been there. Cart and like Smash, like those are more or less ports you know people argue those are ports of the wii u games like nintendo's always had those first parties so it's crazy that the switch has been able to sell this much with this third party support the little third party support they've gotten so yeah to me the most exciting part about that news is like it's just going to encourage more third parties to start making games for the switch um and hopefully we should see more and more ports and um you know i hate to see like gimped versions of games like wwe or whatever that wasn't my thing or whatever but I hate to see, like, shitty ports of, you know, mm. where the, the real version is actually on Xbox and PlayStation, yeah. you know, and you yeah. get half the game modes on Switch. Like, that sucks. I don't, you know, no one wants that, really. Um, but I think hopefully this encourages more third parties and, you know, EA and Activision and Ubisoft and everyone. Bethesda's already on board um, as much as they can be. But hopefully, like, we start yeah. seeing more of that because I would love to be able to start buying some third parties on Switch that, um, even if it's like you know graphically lower and not a, you know it doesn't perform as well if it's equivalent i'd for people like me it's way easier to get time playing on switch because uh, it's mobile um than on a console so I, I don't know that's what's exciting to me is the potential like yeah. s- increased support from third parties well and the thing is is nintendo mobile uh, handheld devices portable gaming they sell usually very well right the 3ds um the game boy mm-hmm. So True. this is a hybrid, so it's like you're getting the best of both worlds in terms of marketing and sales. Um, and thank God they had this return. I know some people, me partially too, is like, man, I hope the next Nintendo console fails so they just go third-party publisher route. And I can just play all their first-party games on my Xbox or my PlayStation. But to see this already triple the sales, essentially, because the Wii U ended at, what, 13? Um, it's almost there to triple the sales lifetime for that console. Nintendo's probably super excited that... To have the, they went from Wii, which is a major success, right, uh, to the Wii U, which was one of the worst failures in terms of a hardware launch, and then now they're having a, a tremendous success again. It's really crazy. They've been, people forget that Nintendo's, I think, been in business since like the the late eighteen hundreds, right? They before they were a video game company, they were something yeah. else, right? And then they yeah. transitioned to video games. And they've had that company stay around for a very long time because they adapt, even when they fail. So, um, When you're hot, you're hot. And <laughs> when you're not, you're not. Uh, adding to this Nintendo Switch uh, sales numbers, Matt Piscatella stated that... Um, I forgot where he got the research from. Uh, obviously, he works for MPD, so he has access to a lot of numbers we don't. But he said that uh, 50% of Switch owners have a PS4, 
and 40% have an Xbox One. And he was basically stating that, like, the Switch is owned by people who usually own at least another console. Which is something we all assumed, but it's cool to see actual numbers on that. Yeah. Um, and some of those are probably crossover. Like, I own all three, right? So I fall in both the 50 and 40%. Um, I think all right, all right, all right. All three of us own all three, right? Oh, no, Dom, you yeah, don't have an do. Xbox One. Right. Or do you? Yeah, I do. Yeah, okay. I remember you playing stuff on Windows 10 on the app, so I, I couldn't remember yeah. if you actually had the one or not, yeah. or if you had sold it. Um, another story that I don't know if any of us are interested in, but they announced that Dr. Mario World, which is a mobile version of the Dr. Mario franchise, is coming to mobile in summer 2019, along with the news that the Mario Kart mobile game got delayed to later this year. Um, I liked Fire Emblem Heroes a lot. Super Mario World, uh, Super Mario Run was like whatever. I don't know. Do these Nintendo mobile games do it for you guys? Are you guys excited for either of them? No. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew? Uh, not much of a mobile guy. Yeah. I, I just feel like if if it's a Nintendo property, it should be on my Switch. Exactly. <laughs> I don't want to play it on my phone. The thing is, at least Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is on the Switch. Dr. Mario World coming out to mobile is like... I know Dr. Mario isn't their largest franchise, but I'm sure there's some diehard fans that are upset that the new the newest release in that franchise is going to be a mobile game. Maybe they're excited that there's actually a new release. I don't know. <laughs> Better than nothing. <laughs> they're just, maybe they're just glad it exists. Uh, lastly, before we hop into the big news here, um, we were talking about, you know, PlayStation has sold between 84 and 90-some million units. Nintendo's already at... The Nintendo Switch is already at 32 Obviously, the Xbox is at 41 or 42, they recently reported, which is good. It's actually, those are really good numbers. But, you know, you're seeing the Nintendo Switch catch up, and you're like, oh, that shows how badly the 2013 announcement went for Xbox, right? Of how they just didn't get out of the gate very strongly. And they've actually seen great sales success the last couple of years. They recently reported their numbers from the gaming division of Microsoft, and some of these numbers are crazy. Uh, so they currently have 64 million Xbox Live users. That's across Xbox, Windows 10, and phones. So obviously that's not unique users, but that's users in general. 64 million is still a big number. But this is where the numbers actually matter because people talk about how far ahead PlayStation is, which it is, but that doesn't mean Microsoft and Xbox don't make tons of money themselves. Annual revenue for Xbox was $11.5 billion in 2018, which was up 23% year over year from 2017, which is huge. Um, it was primarily driven by software and services growth. Um, and that information came from Daniel Mod over on Twitter at ZHugeX. Really cool guy to follow in terms of um, MPDs and numbers as well. That's not surprising. We've talked about numerous times on this podcast how people are kind of overlooking all of these services that Microsoft's giving to their players and giving them options. Game Pass, huge. They're obviously pulling the Netflix route of getting, having people get in at a, at a low price point and hoping they just stick around for the subscription, right? And so almost every subscription service does. Um, do these numbers surprise you guys that their annual profits were up 23% in 2018 after all the talk of like, oh man, Xbox needs to change? Not really. I think they're killing it, man. And not only that, I think it's hard for people to wrap their mind around the fact that all three of the big uh, console manufacturers are thriving and yeah. doing well in the current industry and there's enough room for everybody as far as you know maybe not a fourth but uh and pc's thriving so it's like yeah we can all be here and enjoying the games and getting different experiences from each company and um i think <clears throat> they definitely make each other better and microsoft is 
absolutely uh, sharpening the other two by how bad they can make them look as far as I would just say customer appreciation and that that bond that they seem to have. Yeah. And I mean, a big thing that Xbox did in 2018 that people don't talk about, and this doesn't translate to uh, financial gain because they're not earning money on it, the adaptive controller, right? That thing is awesome. Right. And it's a real shame that PlayStation or Nintendo don't have those type of accessibility options for people. And my hope is that the adaptive controller sees a, a strong life cycle and people actually you know, use it at children's hospitals or disability centers or just personally, and it catches on and it forces the hand of Nintendo and PlayStation to have their own solution. Um, right. Because that is, a, uh, that is a, a segment of gamers we don't really talk about. None of us really suffer from crippling disabilities or anything. It's not something we really think about. We pick up a controller and we can use it. For some oh, people, that's not the case. Shit. Yeah. I certainly think about it. And the more people we have that we give them the ability to play games, the better our communities can be, right? So I just think it's a really cool thing that people don't really talk about in terms of what Xbox did in 2018. That was one of my favorite things that happened last year was the adaptive controller. And I really hope yeah. we see Nintendo and PlayStation follow uh, and do something of their own because that'd be really cool. It's easy PR points too, man. I know it's a lot of R&D and you have to yeah. work on it and focus on it. You're gonna, it's going to be a lost investment in terms of getting money back for it, but it's, it's a good PR move and it's, it allows more people to play games. You know what I mean? So. Well, the coolest thing about it, Jared, and I don't know if you guys have seen this yet, and it, it just shows how much it means to them at Microsoft is, if I'm not mistaken, it was just earlier today, the commercial. they announced that, that the commercial is going to play during the Super Bowl, which yeah. obviously that's an expensive slot, and they could easily put a Forza commercial up there, a Gears of War, Halo commercial that would like be more immediately profitable you know, for them, but instead they're choosing to spend an ass load of money um on putting this adaptive controller commercial in the Super Bowl. Which that's That says a lot um, about them and their priorities. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought that was really cool. It's a good move for them to do it, especially because of how many people are watching the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's going to be a great exposure for families with, with children or, you know, other family members with disabilities, and I think that's really big. Um, mm-hmm. It is a good PR move, but it also shows that Xbox has, like, a culture that's willing to... Uh, expand and even if yeah. it is like a loss in terms of money it's you know it's just a good thing to do <laughs> yeah I mean yeah. they also recently passed Apple in terms of the most valuable company so they have a lot in their war chest in terms of being able to do this type of stuff and not worry about it right so yeah yeah um, that's it for the quickie news I want to get to the big news story a lot to read here we're going to handle this in segments um, but I'm going to read through this here um so there's some additional information provided by Imran Khan over on Twitter. He gave some of the updates that I'll get to. Um, he obviously works at Game so this Informer. this is the, the leak that Metroid Prime's coming out next month? E- exactly, yeah. Um, so Nintendo announced on their official channels that after much consideration, they've decided to restart development on Metroid Prime 4 from scratch. They stated that it would Jesus be helmed by... Christ. They stated that it would be helmed by Kensuke Tanabe in partnership with Retro Studios... Uh, they actually partnered together for the original Prime trilogy. Though no developer was ever revealed, it was heavily speculated that it was being helmed by a team at Bandai Namco, which makes sense. They were also working on Smash Brothers Ultimate. Um, shortly after Nintendo's new video went live, reporters stated that according to their sources, Retro Studios made a mock-up demo and pitched Nintendo on developing Metroid Prime 4. Um, 
So was it just like they stopped and they're like, oh, let's go to retro. They heard pitches from people and obviously retro had a pitch for them. Um, we're going to get into some developments from Imran Khan. Off the bat, what did this announcement do for you guys? I know we're not all huge Metroid guys, but I'm pretty sure all of us were looking forward to it because it's going to be another first-party game on the Nintendo Switch. How did this news hit you guys? Um, well, I was very surprised that they're starting it from scratch. Yeah. And that it could have gone that poorly that they weren't able to to reconcile and you know pull something from the ashes of this horrible fire that we've just seen uh because you know we're multiple years uh past that announcement and they didn't have anything then and they don't have anything now and so that is very not good but i will say the good that i think is going to come out of this is how candid they were and coming especially from japan which is notorious for being, uh, you know, kind of less connected and more kind of in the shadows about the inner workings of their business and their development practices, um, and less willing to be open and honest about mistakes. And not even just Japan, but Nintendo specifically. It's very interesting to see them come out like this and, um, you know, possibly be changing the way that situations like this are handled in the future because. Um, it seems just like in general over the course of, or across the industry, uh, people are getting, are becoming more open about, Hey, we have this issue. We want to work on it. We're, we're trying our best and give us some time. And that's what this seemed like. So that was very interesting to me. Yeah. Andrew, you were going to say something. Yeah. I think, um, what I really enjoyed about, Obviously, I am upset about Metroid uh, being delayed, but I think the way Nintendo Nintendo handled it was really slick um, and very open. Um, a lot of people are just like, here's a post about why we feel that we need to delay this game. Or, you know, I, I personally haven't seen a game where they were like, yeah, so we're scrapping the whole original <laughs> thing and yep. we're going to actually start yeah, over. I don't how can you be slick though like i think they handled it well but i just don't know how you can be slick when it's like yeah we're yeah. throwing fucking everything in the trash man. yeah yeah well it was just kind of like it, it just seemed like it, it seemed really it just was handled well and yeah when they, i say they did handle well, yeah. it as well as you could for yeah the, the fire that they started <laughs> yeah and, and like sure a lot of people are going to be upset about it but think about it this way like would you rather have a shitty game or like a really good game by the original original developers for the first trilogy, which still doesn't really make a lot of sense to me? Like, why didn't they just bring Retro Brack from the exactly. beginning? Exactly, and we'll get to Does, that. Doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Um, yeah, we think it's because they were busy on a different game. Probably. Um, so, like, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as long as the game comes out. And I think something similar happened to like Breath of the Wild. But they didn't scrap the whole thing, but I think there was, like, some sort of big delay, and I can't remember. It's been a while for Breath of the Wild, but that, I mean, look how that game came out, and that game's really fucking good, so, I don't know. Dom, need I remind you of the E3 demo, Dom? The Zelda HD, it was, yeah. like, the Wii U demo that's, it's like, a tech totally demo. different art style. Yeah, totally yeah. different art style than Breath of the Wild, but it's, like, what they said it was the a- game they were... They were going right. towards, and then they just that was a tech demo. Of the wild. 
for the console. So they were clear up front. To me, this whole thing is yeah. a prime example, a prime, no pun intended, I mean pun intended, Jeez. prime example of why it's dangerous to go announcing shit so early on. I mean, I assume, and I think it's common knowledge or whatever, that you know studios work on a lot of projects, and not, most of them probably never see the light of day. Um, and a lot of different ideas are tossed around and get started and get to, you know get worked on to certain extents, but then just never you know come to fruition and and that that can piss a lot of people off that knowledge if it's out in the open you know of oh they were working on this and then it got canned I mean look at everything that's happening with EA right now in Star Wars um, even when you look at the big picture yeah they're not making enough Star Wars games that are good but it looks even worse when we've had such a you know clear view of what's going on behind the scenes there. We yeah. didn't know that they're canceling studios and scrapping projects, and Amy Henning is leaving. If we didn't know all that, it wouldn't look, you know, ten. It wouldn't look nearly as bad as it does. So, like, giving the public this kind of vision into this shit so early, I mean, that to me, more often than not, causes problems more so than it brings advantages. But, like you guys said, though, like, given everything that had happened to that point. It was better that they were transparent, I guess, that, okay, yeah, we are starting over, but we're starting over with retro, and so hopefully you all now have confidence that from here on out, it's going to be done right. I guess that was the best thing to do it from that point, but well, ideally, they shouldn't have been in that situation to begin with. This It's crazy. So we've had conversations about how Japanese game development, it seems, especially with Square Enix, it's been a hard transition for them to modern game development. We've seen that with countless projects from Square Enix, right, of having long, troubled development cycles. This is kind of the first case of that for Nintendo. Usually Nintendo's the one that, like, they usually announce games when they're ready. We never usually see games delayed. Right. We never yeah. see them canceled. So this was big, and I think for them, like both Jordan and Andrew said, the transparency in it was great. And them just coming out and being very forward, being like, essentially without saying it, we screwed up. We have to restart. Um, I think it also went over well because uh, Retro is involved, right? If they would have said yeah. this game starting from scratch and we're working with some other studio, people would have been okay with that, but not as as okay as they are with, oh, Retro's working on it? Okay, that's fine then. You know what I mean? They're scrapping it for the game we probably wanted then of Retro working on their own trilogy. Um, it's still just like we shouldn't have known that any of this happened. We, it should, we should have never even heard of anything official about to Prime people, 4 dude. Well, no, he's saying when we... that announcement came out people were going so hard wanting to know about Metroid and they were also doing the uh, remake Samus of, Returns uh, yeah on the 3DS and so they couldn't just put that game out after like what is it like Defender Force or whatever that's a total yeah. spin off that doesn't even have but Samus in it so Federation they could, they could keep yeah, Federation Force, they couldn't keep putting out games without saying, hey, we do have a real Metroid in development. But the thing is, is that they could have they could have been either a little cheeky, uh, cheeky or jokey with it of, like, at the bottom put a subtitle, like, a ways away, or it, it'll get here when it gets here. They literally just put the logo. They didn't even give us a developer. You know what I mean? So it left people with a bunch of questions. I think if they would have set expectations. Now in development. So that's yeah, but what does that like, mean? <laughs> chill. <laughs> You know what I mean? So now, well, when PlayStation says that, it, it's like, hey, it could be a PS5 game now in development. I mean, yeah, Death Stranding is probably a PS5 game at this point. Oh, um, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna get to these couple of quotes, and then we're gonna we'll talk about uh, some of the updates. Um, so Game Informer's Imran Khan said on Twitter, hearing that the big problem with uh, Metroid Prime Four development was Nintendo's experimental ad hoc development process. It was being made in parts in different countries. 
Khan went on to say, internal thinking was that it needs to all be under one roof to right the ship. Interestingly, Retro made the pitch for their involvement and put together a demo that Nintendo liked. Wow. He, he said some studios for the ad hoc development process, some studios were trucking along saying it was going smoothly while it was on fire elsewhere. Um, wow. Also, going with Retro. So there's been no word uh, by Nintendo or Retro Studios regarding their project that we they were working on. They had their studio that hadn't released a game since Tropical Freeze on Wii U in 2014, right? So they've been working on something. So unsubstantiated rumors stated that they were working on a Star Fox racing game. Those rumors developed like early last year in 2018, if you guys Grand remember. Prix. Uh, yes. Uh, there seems to be equal plausibility that their game could be near completion and see a release in 2019 as well as it being a collection of canceled projects with Metroid Prime 4's development opportunity coming at just the right time. So it could be either of those. We just don't know, right? And there's wow. equal plausibility to both, that their game could release this year, or they were just working through, like Dom said, these development companies work through multiple projects and they don't always see the light of day, and maybe they were struggling with a project and not letting it, you know, getting to where they wanted it to be, and this opportunity came be- up at right the right the at the right time. That'd be tough if they release 2014 and it's Tropical Freeze and then they're not getting another game out. 2022? Like the 2020s, yeah. Like, that's going to be crazy. Yeah. They're a very talented studio, too. I don't think Nintendo's used them to their talent level, you know? I think they're one of the best studios yeah. Nintendo has under their belt. I would talk about other studios, but Nintendo doesn't individualize them. It's like Team 1, Team 2, Team yeah, 3, but it's like, you know. It's very weird the way their internal development works and, <laughs> and uh, the way it's they better that the way. first party IP. Uh, before we get Maybe. to the last bit, that is actually surprising news that I want, I don't know if you guys knew about it. So, since Metro Prime 4 isn't coming out this year, that means that Animal Crossing and Pokemon are the big releases, right? Fire Emblem. Fire Emblem, yeah. Well, no, I'm talking about like actual, one. actual like uh, sales Mainstream. and revenue. Fire Emblem, I don't know if it's going to be a good game or a bad game, but I don't know if it's going to sell as well as, you know, some of their yeah, more, yeah. their their larger scale IP. It's no Pokemon. Well, yeah, Pokemon That's sells like sure. hotcakes. Animal yeah. Crossing is like, it's weird because if you catch that casual audience, it could sell like gangbusters, you know. Just depends on how many of those people currently own a Switch. Um, but do we see like a surprise announcement of another game? People have speculated on Odyssey 2, the way they did Galaxy 2, right, where they used a lot of the same assets and just built new worlds. People are speculating a possible 2D Zelda game. You know, what do you what do you guys expect? Is there any surprises we could possibly see? Or was Metroid third party, dude? What do you mean? I think there's definitely big third party stuff this year on the Switch that we don't know about yet. Yeah, like ports, right? Yeah, uh, sports. I don't know, freaking anything. I said ports, but yeah, sports games as well. Ports, sports. Uh, I'm thinking, <laughs> but I'm saying like FIFA, like yeah. a new Platinum game or something is is going to release. But I'm talking about like, you know, they Bayonetta usually have three. They Bayonetta three is a good choice. Yeah, um, I don't know if they would blow out their stage the same way they did with Odyssey and Breath of the Wild for that though, because it's no, no. Animal Crossing is probably their blow up the stage. Right, they're going to have like an Animal Crossing town or whatever. Um, it's just I would say Pokemon. The Nintendo's relationship with the Pokemon company is weird because, like, they work hand in hand. But if they have an Animal Crossing game coming out, and that's like first party Nintendo, Pokemon's technically first party too, but it's the Pokemon company, right? It's not Nintendo. They publish it. So I don't know if they would 
do both? You know, would they dedicate their entire stage to Pokemon? Yeah, it's it's weird. I think this is a, a ball that dropped for them. I don't think they're expecting to do this. I think it does muddy up their plans in terms of where they're moving pieces right for releases. We'll see. We we're supposed to usually have a direct in January. I'm assuming we're getting it in February. They always have one at the beginning of the year. So all of these talking points could be moot in what a couple of weeks. We'll see. Yeah. The last part. So lastly, uh, Emran Khan as well as a few other people on Twitter, stated that they had numerous sources corroborate that Nintendo was planning on announcing the Metroid Prime Trilogy for Switch in December of 2018. That this was the plan before coming to the realization that Metroid Prime 4 would have to restart development. According to multiple reports, the games are already finished and Nintendo has decided to postpone their announcement in lieu of the, the news. I was waiting for that announcement. I know, me too. I'm so excited. It's it's well, re- it's really disappointing to hear. Like, obviously, we don't know if it's true or not. But if they were planning on Metroid Prime Four being a 2019 game, then it would make sense that they released the trilogy, right? Uh, yeah. Or if it's a 2020 game, release the trilogy this year, but announced in December of 2018. Um, it's not too far fetched of an idea that they would have that ready. Um, luckily, they didn't announce it. Uh, and the, the thing with these reports is that it's not saying that it was planned for December, November came around, and they canceled it, right? It's that it was planned to be announced in December. They could have thought in January of 2018 not to do it, or February, right? They could have changed their mind a lot earlier in the year. They didn't make a, necessarily make a last-minute decision. Um, yeah, it's that's a weird thing, though, now, too, because if they're restarting development, we assume at the early end it's, what, three years, right, for Metroid Prime 4? At the earliest? Yeah. So it's like, so are they going to wait two more years to announce something that possibly is already done? It's a very weird situation. Yeah. yeah. Weird, weird. But what do you, well, let me ask you this. What do you guys think happened? Like, what happened where they were like, this is not good at all? Well, like he said, Jared, the, the certain studio situations around the world were going swimmingly, and then others were just garbage fires, so... Mm. I think Nintendo's a very proud company, and I think they they gave Bandai Namco a chance to work on a game, and I think they quickly realized it backfired for them. Um, Nintendo seems like a company who really loves to control what they're making, and I don't think they necessarily had all the control they wanted with Bandai Namco, mm-hmm. and I think they just looked at the product and they're like, this isn't our level of quality. So, as much as I love Bandai Namco, right, they published the Dark Souls games, they also published like the the spin-off Dragon Ball games and, like, the Naruto games. And, like, those are usually, like, sixes and sevens. Like, Bandai Namco doesn't necessarily have a staple of, like, Game of the Year games. And I think Nintendo wants Metroid Prime 4 to be a Game of the Year candidate, you know? I think it just wasn't shaping up to be a top-of-the-line game. They've set the bar recently, you know, with Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Odyssey. Those are arguably both the best in their long-running franchise, for a, for a franchise like Metroid, which is beloved, but not as popular as Mario or Zelda, I think they they want to make sure it's a fantastic game. So anything short of that, they're like, no. And for Nintendo to cancel a game and like scrap it is crazy. It must have been yeah. bad. Or at least it, they're... It's a really big deal. Yeah. Um, who knows? It's going to be interesting. Uh, people are wondering if it's going to still be called Metroid Prime 4. It will. Especially if Retro's working on it, I almost guarantee it'll be called Metroid Prime 4. Probably have a subtitle. 
Um, it's just depressing, man, that we were this close to getting a Metroid Prime Trilogy remaster for Switch, and it just didn't happen. <laughs> I would rather not know that than know about it, you know? Just exactly. You get, yeah. get one of those Men in Black memory erasers and zap my brain. Um, Neuralizer. Exactly. Um, that's it for this week's show. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. Um, yeah. Before we dip out, we're going to talk about really quick what we're going to be playing. For me, more Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, I don't think there's any huge release this week that I'm thinking of. Um, Trials is coming out soon, so I'm super stoked for that. I'm a big Trials guy. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it for me. More Kingdom Hearts 3, more convoluted story and weird dialogue. Interested to see where things go. The over-under in terms of beating it, Jordan, I've read is like 35 hours. Wow, play, that's play, right. shorter. That's more. That's actually closer to KH one than two. I would have thought it was going to be longer than that. Yeah, I mean, but that's like the average. So I think I'm I'm playing it at a very leisurely place uh, pace of like finding chests, exploring areas. You know, I'm not in a rush, so it'll, mine will probably be much longer than that. I assume. Um, but yeah, enjoying my time with it. Yeah. You guys? I am as well. I'm obviously going to be playing it a lot as I have been already. Um, I'm enjoying the journey, man. Like, excuse me. Like I said, uh, the difficulty or lack thereof is pretty disappointing, especially since that seems to be like one of the only parts of the series that wasn't carried over as far as them being, uh, you know, substantial challenges, I guess you could say. And, um, so that part I'm very much lamenting, but everything else I'm enjoying the hell out of and... Um, the music is fantastic. The visuals are uh, great. Seeing some of these environments that I've seen, you know, we're we're getting a big jump from PS2 to PS4 or from PSP or the 3DS games or whatever. There hasn't ever been a Kingdom Hearts game made from the ground up on an HD console, and that really shows. <laughs> I've been like going through. So uh, crazy to think recaps. about that. Yeah, it's weird to think about. Um, they've remastered but never built it from the ground up and uh, yeah going back the remasters are 4k 60 and they look amazing but it's still a gigantic jump when you're looking at this stuff in these cutscenes um, these environments are just so crispy um, crispy booty you might even say and so, uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm enjoying that part of it and <laughs> I'm loving the uh, being able to bask in the um, higher than 1080 resolution hmm. um, but uh, at the same time I maybe I'll enjoy it if I do a second playthrough you know later in life or whatever on proud mode the hard mode that they have um, because then I'll, I'll actually maybe die like I'm wondering am I going to finish this game without ever dying I'm starting to wonder I haven't died yet either I'm not even trying I haven't died yet either, and I thought I died. I was in Olympus, and I fell, and I found the the forge. I was like, oh, man, I fell off and uh, died, and then I landed in the forge, and I was like, oh, cool, I get a new item. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't think I found that, but that's cool. Uh, Dom, what are you going to be playing? Kingdom Hearts. Shocker, didn't see that one coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Andrew. I should also say I'm... Finishing up, like, I'm at the tail end of Bayonetta, and so I'll probably be playing Bayonetta 2 once that finishes up, but uh, Kingdom Hearts is taking up most of my time. Uh, Andrew, I'm assuming more RE2 for Wreck and City Radio? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, Alex and I are playing it kind of like a book club sort of thing. So we're just taking it section by section. Um, and then I might, maybe I'll even, you know, just because he's been, he's been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts 3 already. He's already beaten the game. Um, he play, He told me that he played for 23 hours straight. Um, when Jesus. he got the game, oh so God. Ha- hats off to him. Yeah, uh, bravo. He's a, had to, yeah. he's a marathoner. That guy does like four hour podcast. Yeah. I don't know how he does it. The stand. Yeah, Jesus. it's pretty great. Oh, thank um, you to the twenty three hour gaming <laughs> session. Um, <laughs> insane. even one of my favorite series. Yeah. So yeah, we had to push back this week's episode of Raccoon City Radio like twice because I, he was like. You know, I'm really sorry, but like I'm still playing this, and like I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten <laughs> oh through God. like Resident Evil 2, like the PlayStation. And I was like, it's fine, whatever. We just push it back a couple days. Um, <coughs> but yeah, more of Resident Evil 2. I'm probably gonna start Resident Evil 7. Um, oh, dope. And just, just push myself. You know, I. It's weird to think about because I feel like the police station is because it's so open. I'm like, Oh, it's not as scary, but like being in a house stuck with like a crazy ass family. Yeah. That sounds pretty terrifying. Um, so real, I'm quick, try to... real quick. Sorry. Dom, would oh. you say the first half of that game is scarier than the second half? Cause I would, I would say the first half of that game is Seven? scarier. Yeah. than the second half. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good yeah. to know. If I just yeah, got to power through it, then I think I can do it. But, uh, and then Wargroove comes out tomorrow. Uh, great reviews yeah yeah, which is kind of like if you guys i'm assuming you guys know about it but for listeners um kind of like a successor to advance wars um kind of with like a cartoony um fire emblem vibe to it so yeah i'm gonna pick that up tomorrow and play that over the weekend too so one of them switch selects it's gonna be a great game to pick on switch yeah um Real quick, so our listeners can know you a little bit better, Andrew. What are your like sure. your, your top three favorite video games? Real quick, your top favorite video game. Oh man, top three favorite video games: Halo Two. Oh, good one. Um, that game kind of kicked off like my Earth whole obsession with video games back in the day. I still have the limited collector's edition case. Hell yeah! Uh, and it's all like eroded now, um, so it looks like battle damage, which is really cool. Um, I'm trying to think of like another like big game. I don't know. Uh Metroid 2, actually like the original Metroid 2. It's like the first game I ever played. Um Is that Super I'd Metroid s- or is it No, uh no, Metroid, Metroid 2, 2 which is on Game Boy. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so like the OG one. Yep. Um That's the one that they just remade. Yeah, I Samus love that game too. I love that 3DS uh version. A lot of people were like pissed off that it wasn't on the Switch and I was like, "Eh, whatever." Um I still need to give my 3DS some love every once in a while. Um, and then I'd say probably a link to the past. Ooh, nice. Uh, Cause that's just like, to me, that's like the granddaddy of like Metroidvania in a way, which technically it is symphony of the night, but I've never beat symphony of the night. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm, I've been meaning to beat that game too, just because I bought that Castlevania, like, uh, remastered collection or whatever that came out like this past summer for like 20 bucks um so yeah i should probably play that game it's a good reminder for me too um but yeah just like those classic games and just the ones that really kicked it off for me and i feel like resident evil 2 might make it its way into like one of my favorite games ever um which i know is kind of a bold statement um but i just really love the game so far a lot it's i don't attach myself to games 
very often where I'm like, this is a really fucking good game. But Resident yeah. Evil 2 is definitely one of them for me. Uh, so that way you know us a little bit more because I, I hope to have you on the podcast again this year. Um, yeah. Multiple times, hopefully. Uh, for me, my favorite game is Mass Effect 2. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can go on and on about that game. Uh, Dom? Yeah. Uh, Ocarina of Time. There we go. Jordan? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Oh, he's not there? <laughs> my bad. Uh, I'd say it's like Infamous or something. No, I, I think weird. his I think his favorite game would be The Witcher Three, right? No, maybe. He's back. Hey, I'm he's back. back. Uh, um, Witcher Three is up there. Bioshock's up there. I would say, um, hell, Spider Man and Kingdom Hearts Three are now up there. Bloodborne's up there. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. Ooh, Lots Bloodborne's of collections. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on Twitter. We're at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest Abbreviated. You can follow me at Jared underscore. You can follow Dom at Dom Zorios. You can follow Jordan at Melamotis. Uh, go on iTunes. Follow us there. Leave us a review. It definitely helps. Subscribe to us on YouTube if you watch the video version of this podcast. Andrew, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Papa Drew Bear. Um, if you're <laughs> playing Resident Evil 2 right now, uh, you can find me and my co-host Alex O'Neill um, on iTunes at Raccoon City Radio. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we're playing the game kind of like a book club sort of thing. But if you've already beaten the game, you know you know what's going to happen, so you can kind of just go back and listen to the episodes um, that are currently on right now. Uh, it's like six episodes that we're going to be doing, so we've only done two right now, so we still have like four weeks to go. Um, but yeah, you can find that on iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Google Play, and I think Spotify too. So, uh, do we think we're getting Resident Evil Eight this year? An announcement? Possibly. No. Did you Did you guys hear the rumor? Getting it year. Uh, did you hear the announcement that uh, the rumor that it's going back to third person? I did not. Yeah, there's some you rumblings that. You know, I love that third person. Andrew, you too, right? That'd be better for you, not the first yeah, person spookiness. Yeah, I would be able to. I would be able to play Resident Evil Eight if it's Man. if it's third person. Prop? We kind of speculate. Yeah, we speculated about that. Where, like, maybe they remake three and they just do the same thing that they did with two, but then they continued on with eight, and then it was still first person. So they kind of have like two studios working on it. But I don't Ooh, know. Maybe interesting. Yeah. Man, props to people who played Resident Evil Seven in VR. <laughs> Not even from a scary perspective for me. It's like a nauseous, like, uh, it's props to whoever was able to do that. Um, yeah, that's our show for this week. Tune in next week, episode 132. We might be talking about the Nintendo Direct that might happen. Uh, yeah, catch you guys next time. Bye. <laughs>